Did James Brown keep the entire city of Boston from rioting? The internet says it's true. Welcome to The Internet Says It's True, where every week we're going to learn something that sounds like it's made up, but it's really true, part of the WCBE podcast experience. My name is Michael Kent. Welcome back. This week, we are rewinding back to what is probably my favorite episode I've ever done. It's about a James Brown concert in 1968. If you are a music fan, you're going to love this one. I'll remind you again this week, you can become a fan of the show on Patreon. It's patreon.com slash Michael Kent. You can even sign up for just a dollar just to show you're listening and show that you appreciate the show. Uh, if you haven't gotten your merch, you can do that. That's the internet says it's true.com. Just click merch. Of course, if you're a Patreon member, I'm going to give you 20% off anything you buy there. The code is on the Patreon. So anyway, let's go back. Let's go back to episode 21 of this podcast. This was originally released in January of 2021. There are a few moments in American history where history itself has been inseparably fused with music. Billie Holiday singing Strange Fruit at New York's Cafe Society in 1939 to highlight racial injustice. Jimi Hendrix's impromptu Star-Spangled Banner at Woodstock that echoed the pain and devastation in Vietnam, or Public Enemies' Fight the Power, an anthem of confrontation against institutional racism. The 1985 recording of We Are the World by a multitude of American artists raised more than $100 million to fight a famine in Africa. But in 1968, this one concert had an immediate real-world effect. For a decade, Martin Luther King Jr. had awakened Americans to the nation's racial struggle in a way that reached a swath of people much larger than just the black community. From Albany, Georgia, to Birmingham, Alabama, to Washington, D.C., St. Augustine, Florida, and Selma, Louisiana, Dr. King had captured the attention of the nation. His I Have a Dream speech in 1963 is regarded as one of the finest speeches in American history and helped the nation put civil rights on the forefront of its collective mind, helping push forward the Civil Rights Act a year later. In the spring of 1968, King traveled to Tennessee to rally support for the Sanitation Workers Union in Memphis. African American workers for the city's sanitation department had been fighting against unequal wages and horrid working conditions. On April 3rd, he delivered one of his most famous speeches. And then I got into Memphis, and some began to say the threats, or talk about the threats that were out, or what would happen to me from some of our sick white brothers. Well, I don't know what will happen now. We've got some difficult days ahead, but it really doesn't matter with me now, because I've been to the mountaintop. The following evening, he stepped out onto his balcony and was talking with a few acquaintances in the parking lot below when a shot rang out. Good evening. 
Dr. Martin Luther King, the apostle of nonviolence in the civil rights movement, has been shot to death in Memphis, Tennessee. Sniper's bullet cut down Dr. King as he stood on a hotel balcony in Memphis. Within an hour, Dr. King was dead. Memphis is a confused and shocked city tonight. No one can believe what has happened. It's been just a little over an hour since Dr. Martin Luther King died from an assassin's bullet. For the first half hour, police were busy trying to track down the young white man who it is believed fired the fatal shot. The aftermath of Dr. King's assassination was more than mourning and loss. It was anger and outrage, demonstrated by riots, looting, and burning throughout major cities in America. Much like in the 2020 unrest we saw after the killing of George Floyd, people took to the streets in anger at the murder of the civil rights leader. In Washington, D.C., in Chicago, in Baltimore, riots erupted in the city immediately after the news broke. In Washington, D.C., a crowd of more than 20,000 people overwhelmed the police force. 1,200 buildings were burned. In Chicago, 11 people were killed and 500 were injured. In Kansas City, Detroit, New York City, Pittsburgh, cities all over America, crowds expressed their anguish in the streets, feeling hopeless that peace could bring the change they desired. Boston was no different. Being so close to D.C., where some of the largest riots were taking place, officials were worried about the unrest. And just like in 130 other major urban centers in America, the night of the assassination there was unrest in Boston. But this episode is about what happened the very next night. This episode is about the godfather of soul, James Brown. James Brown had become a household name with hits like Night Train, Papa's Got a Brand New Bag, I Got You, and Cold Sweat. His songs were consistently ranking on the top of the charts, and he was able to fill auditoriums with huge crowds. The James Brown concert at Boston Garden had been scheduled months before. It was to take place on April 5th, the day after the assassination of Martin Luther King Jr. A crowd of 14,000 was expected. But then, after the murder and the ensuing riots throughout the nation, the concert was almost canceled. Boston Mayor Kevin White had only come into power three months prior. He thought that the show should be rescheduled. Race relations like mandatory busing and school integration had played a major part in his being elected. The chief of police had convinced Mayor White that the concert would just incite further violence with so many citizens of Boston in a heightened emotional state. Tom Atkins was the only African-American on the Boston City Council. He told the mayor, quote, You can't cancel the James Brown show, because if you do that, you're going to have 14,000 kids showing up at the Boston Garden, finding out by a piece of paper stuck on the door that the show's been canceled. And if they're not already angry and distraught over the murder of Dr. King, now they're really going to be mad, end quote. Already in his short term, the mayor had made it a priority to encourage the police to treat minor violence and peaceful protests with kindness and understanding, rather than the hard-nosed police tactics being used in other cities. He worked with community and religious leaders to help calm the crowd. And in discussing the concert with the councilmen, they came up with an idea. They would hold the concert 
but televise it locally. See, the idea was that by showing the concert on TV, it would keep people at home in front of the television sets rather than in the streets. James Brown wasn't so into the idea. By his math, he stood to lose $60,000 by the free televising of the concert due to lost ticket sales, and he was angry. Not seeing the bigger picture, he refused to go on unless the city paid him $60,000. The mayor almost canceled the concert again. But again, Atkins convinced the mayor that if the concert didn't go on, it would cost the city far more than $60,000. The city didn't pay James Brown $60,000. It's never officially been released what they did pay him, although there were rumors it was around $15,000. The April 5th concert would happen. Then there was the issue of how to air it. They convinced WGBH, Boston's public television station, to carry the concert. WGBH was reluctant because if they broadcast the show live, they could end up airing a riot on television. After all, cities all over America were still seeing massive unrest. Just three hours before showtime, WGBH finally decided to air the concert live. With a crowd of only 2,000 instead of the expected 14,000, the James Brown concert began. When the spotlights came on, it was Councilman Tom Atkins and Mayor Kevin White who stood on stage next to James Brown. James praised the two men, and Mayor White had a few words. Now I'm here tonight, like all of you, to listen to James. But I'm also here to ask for your help. I'm, I'm here to ask you to stay with me as your mayor and to make Dr. King's dreams a reality in Boston. This is our city and its future is in our hands. Tonight, tomorrow, and the days that follow. The band started in with a slow, soulful rendition of Frank Sinatra's That's Life, and the concert began. The hardest working man in showbiz, the godfather of soul, Mr. Dynamite, Mr. Please, 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 James Brown himself, played a three-hour show, often interjecting comments about Dr. King between songs. At one point, Fans climbed on stage and started swarming Brown to show their appreciation, and it looked like things were about to get ugly. The cops that were positioned in front of the stage had their nightsticks ready and started to move in. But this time, it was James Brown himself that cooled the tension. Wait a minute, son. Wait a minute. Now, why, why are you up here? Do you want to see the show? Yeah. But won't you go downstairs? Let me do the show. No, that's wrong. No. No. No, that's wrong. Are you making me... You're not being fair to yourself and me either. You're not being fair to yourself and me at all, or your race. Now, I asked the police to step back because I figured I could get some respect for my own people. That makes sense. And all we together win. Get the thing, man. It worked. The crowd quieted, and the concert continued. It was surely hundreds of thousands of people who watched that concert, especially because when it was over, WGBH immediately rebroadcast it again, and again, and again. 
the streets of Boston were calm. Many historians have called it the night James Brown saved Boston. Now this is where it would be amazing to relate this to current times, to talk about the unrest that 52 years later we still see today. To somehow wish there was a concert that could heal a nation that still feels wounds of racial injustice, social turmoil, and inequality. But I think it's better just to look at it as what's possible. For that one night, one concert, one dynamic soul musician, one city councilman, and a mayor who understood, helped a city heal. It's time for the part of the podcast where I call a friend and see if they already know what we just learned. Today, I've invited back Josh Quillen on the show. Josh is one of my oldest friends going back to college where we marched side by side playing the drums in the Ohio State Marching Band. Now, Josh tours the world with So Percussion Ensemble, and he teaches steel pan with Kendall Williams at NYU and Princeton. He's the host of the Concert Honesty Podcast. Hey, Mike, how you doing, buddy? Good, dude. How have you been? You've been on this on this uh, podcast before, but it was a long time ago. It, and, well, yeah, time has been relative during quarantine, you know. Yeah, that's true. I really don't know how long ago it was. Um, this is episode 21, so I've been doing it for 21 weeks. I don't think I've skipped a week yet. Um, yeah. I did them through the holidays and everything else. Awesome. What I mean, I'm that's awesome. I'm impressed by your sort of process that you just kept committing to one week. Yeah, it's it's uh, keeping me creative and it, it's keeping it's keeping me sane, I think, uh, the idea that like I'm just going to keep banging these out. But the, the format's different than when you were on last. See, now we do this quick quiz section. So you don't have any idea what this is about, what this what this episode is about. So for this first question, if you get it right. I will donate four pairs of shoes to people who need them. Four of my previously owned pairs of shoes. If you get it wrong, I have to buy my wife a pair of shoes. Mike, this is... This is... So those are the stakes. Can I quit? <laughs> you can't quit before the first question. <laughs> Can I just quit and we just chat for a little while? Okay. Uh, what musical artist is credited with saving Boston from race riots in 1968? It's multiple choice. A, James Brown. B, Iggy Pop. Or C, Kid Rock. I'm going to say... This is embarrassing. I'm going to say Iggy Pop. I'm sorry, it's James, James Brown. You want to do that again so I don't have to buy my wife a pair of shoes? This guy looks just like it can't be the most obvious thing. Like that, I'm just that person, you know. Like. <laughs> it was the most obvious one. Uh, yeah. So James Brown in 1968 performed the night after Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated. They televised the concert locally and kept people home watching it. Wow. And, and historians have said that that very well could have saved 
the city from a second straight night of writing. That's awesome. Well, I'm kind of glad I, I'm, I'm kind of glad I got that wrong because I learned something and that is kind of the point of this whole podcast, right, Mike? I love that answer. You're right. Uh, I did not know this until this week when I was just Googling iconic live concerts because well, yeah. that type of stuff makes me really excited. Like I love watching live shows. Yeah. And just in the spirit of my podcast, I'm going to be honest. I did not know about Juneteenth until this past June 19th. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, it obviously with this past June in the in the turmoil during the summer got a lot more media than it's ever gotten, yeah. um, which which is awesome, which is great. I, I think I I had heard of it, but I didn't really know exactly what it was commemorating, you know, yeah. well, and anyway. I certainly didn't know that Texas didn't free their slaves when the rest of the country did. Well, there's, there's lots of stuff that we all need to know. And yeah. I'm reading a book right now about anyway, it's just, I'm reading a book. I'll, te I'll text you privately about it, but I can't wait to talk to you more about it later. Awesome. Yeah, please do. Uh, question two, if you get this question, right, I will tell an embarrassing story that happened to me on stage. Okay. If you get it wrong, you have to tell me one that's happened to you. Um, okay, well, that's easy. All right, good. You've got one in mind. I've got, well, I have plenty of bad stage stories. <laughs> it's easy. <laughs> I love bad stage stories. I, I love telling them and I love hearing them. Which one of these is not a nickname for James Brown? A, Soul Brother Number One. B, The Godfather of Soul. C, Mr. Please, Sir, May I Have Some More. I'm going to go with C is not. You are correct. Uh, James Brown was often known as Mr. Please, 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 but not <laughs> Mr. Please, sir. May I have some more? <laughs> I, I used to do a thing where I used to have like, like alternative song titles and it would be like, pour some blank on me. And it would be like, pour some olive oil on me you know <laughs> just like those are those like crossed out like no that can't possibly be right <laughs> yes yeah like he and his team sat around coming up with nicknames and they were like mr please sir <laughs> mr please please no we two pleases isn't enough mr please 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 three gotta be three and speaking of three here's question three if you get this one right uh i'll send you a tell me what to google sticker in the mail okay if you get it wrong you have to send me a so percussion sticker. Okay, but what did I win from the last question? Oh, let's talk about that. <laughs> I skipped it, didn't I? But we glossed over that a bit. We did. I have to tell an embarrassing story that happened to me on stage, and I tried to just not tell it. No, no, no. You didn't try. You just missed it. I just wanted to keep you on, on task here. I uh, Okay, so here's one for you. I... This can I can I talk about one that that happened during a virtual magic show? It's this is show, like just a few shows ago. Uh, I was doing a performance for a corporate group, mm -hmm. and the deal was, I was doing like three segments, five minutes each, and then they were doing an award ceremony in between. Mm -hmm. So then they would cut to me. I would do five minutes, and it was all live. They would cut to me. I would do five minutes, and I was here in the studio. After my first segment, I was moving some stuff around in the studio and I stepped on the power switch to my entire studio. 
Don't ask me why it was conspicuously placed on the floor, like right where I would step on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so everything went out. All the power in the studio was gone. Um, that it was my fault, and I was so embarrassed. I just told him I lost power. So I'm. I, if they're listening to this, I'm sorry. I I I lied. Did you have to log back into the session? Like how? So work? I did. I I quickly had to get the studio back up and running. Meaning, like, I had to go back into the session, log back in, and when I did, my cameras didn't come back on. It was time for my next segment, and I couldn't get my cameras to work. And I had to completely restart my computer to get my cameras to work. And luckily, everything worked out, and I did all three segments for the show. But I was super embarrassed. Well, I my very first Zoom session when we went into quarantine was a masterclass at NYU, and my my there were you know twenty some odd students on it, and my friend and like a hundred and eighty other people from like the community were checking in, and it was one of my dear friends Murray, who I was like a brother of mine, would take a bullet for, was I was texting with privately. And I was, and he and I just have this brat attack back and forth, and I'm just mocking him mercilessly. And then I have to share something in the chat, and then I share something on Zoom, my very first time on Zoom, and I share it to the whole thing, but except I share my chat thread with Murray where I'm just making fun of him. Oh no. <laughs> I share it to like 180 people. <laughs> it was like somebody was texting me privately, being like, bro, you got to close your chat. I was like, I don't know what's going on. This is Zoom. Like, Zoom's new. So, in terms of our embarrassing first time out of the gate, it's just... I love it. You didn't even get that question wrong, and you still told an embarrassing story. (laughs) You're a team player, my friend. Uh, So, for this next question, I'm now realizing that I didn't write a question number three. Okay. Uh, So, I'm going to give you last week's question number three, which has nothing to do with James Brown. Uh, if you get this one right, I'll send you a tell me what to Google sticker in the mail. If you get it wrong, you have to send me a so percussion sticker. If you don't have a so percussion sticker, uh, I fully expect you to make one. We have, we have them. I'll, I'll make sure. Oh, we- that's amazing. Uh, okay, great. So here's the question. What color was Spock's uniform in Star Trek? Blue. All right, you got it. You got a sticker, my friend. One of these uh, tell me what to Google stickers coming your way. Uh, so that's, yeah, last week's episode was all about the the origin of the Vulcan salute. So, I saw that on your Facebook. I saw you yeah. post on Facebook. Pretty interesting stuff. Okay, question four. If you miss the next question, you have to buy me a beer next time I see you. Easy. If you get it right, you have to buy me a beer next time I see you. Great. I'm in. Put these three James Brown songs in chronological order from when they were recorded and released. (laughs) All right. A, Living in America. B, I Got You. C, Say It Loud, I'm Black and I'm Proud. In that order. I'm sorry, that's incorrect. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, look at me, Mike. How do you know? Right? I didn't know this until I, I literally. And I'm not it. laughing out of disrespect. I'm laughing like as like whatever wherever James Brown is. I'm as low as you could possibly get. Yeah. In, in Your soul brother number seven hundred and eighty-three. I'm not even on the wait list, bro. Like I, <laughs> I'm not even at comp ticket. So like, just it's fine. It's okay. <laughs> Uh, you're not Mr. Please, please, please. You're Mr. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. 
I offer a lot to this world and the, and my deep respect for James Brown is not matched with my historical knowledge of James Brown. So, so just, I'll explain real quick. Um, I, again, I wouldn't know this had a, if I had not Googled it, uh, I got you was his first big hit. Okay. Um, which everyone knows that song. I feel good. You know, that's the song. Um, living in America was one of his later songs, 1985. Okay. So I got you was 64 living in America was 1985. Living in America. You got it. Did they play that on Rocky? No, maybe I'm, I feel like it's Rocky or it's coming to America. Like one of those two. (laughs) Yeah. I'm not sure. Uh, so the third one, say it loud. I'm black and I'm proud. He wrote in 1968, uh, almost as a response to the turmoil that was happening in the nation. So the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame included Say It Loud, I'm Black and I'm Proud in their 500 songs that shaped rock and roll. And it was released in August of 68. It was just four months after the assassination of Martin Luther King Jr. Wow. Yeah. And knowing that and going back and looking at his response to this concert, um and and during the concert you really understand like the song was meant to instill pride which is a super cool thing uh so that brings us to the final question josh question number five this one is for all the marbles if you get this wrong i am banning you from the show never to be asked on again hit me where it hurts mike (laughs) the question is uh what are you up to this weekend what am I up to this weekend? I am doing some interviews of some members of So Percussion's board um, that are going to go up on our website. Um, I feel like one of the things we were talking a lot about how to get sort of advocacy for, you know, building our board out or whatever. And just sort of, I feel like one of the things that when you look at the board of the Met or the Lincoln Center or whatever, that it's it's a long list of people and you have no idea who they are. So I'm going to do some podcasts with them tomorrow morning. Um, and then I'm editing my wife's church service to go up online for Sunday That's morning cool. worship on YouTube, which is what I've been doing since March when this whole thing happened. So I'm going to be knee deep in... Uh, the good Lord's word on uh, tomorrow. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, you have often said on Facebook that there is no better way to get to know someone than inviting them onto your podcast. So that sounds like a good way to, if, if it's up to you to bring people on board to be part of your board, that's uh, a good way to know, knowing who they were. Unfortunately, I knew you long before podcasting was a thing. So I'm, set in, my, yeah. I'm set in my impression of Josh Quillen. Well, listen, we're still friends, so it must have been an okay impression. Yeah, and, I, and I'm going to keep calling you back. Uh, this isn't the last time you'll be on the show. Next time, uh, you'll maybe I'll I'll do I'll I'll pick a subject that you know more about. <laughs> I didn't do too bad. No, you did pretty good, and it's easy for me to sit here in my in my on my high horse and pretend that I knew all this stuff before I googled it this week. <laughs> What's your show, Mike? So, you know. Yeah. Thanks for coming on, man. Uh, You can check out Josh Quillen uh, by just Googling So Percussion. That's S O Percussion. Also, look up the Concert Honesty podcast, and, and you'll love both of those, I promise. That's all for this week. If you enjoyed this episode, please help me out by leaving a review of the podcast on iTunes along with a sentence or two. 
Writing a few words helps a ton to allow other people to listen and to allow other people to tell me what to Google. I'll see you next week. Tell me what to Google would like to thank the Patreon subscribers whose monthly contributions put them at producer status. Sean Brown, Catherine Morgan, Taylor Hurt, Bryce Swanson, David Lucas, Alan Sokolik, Eugene Anderson, and Scott Schuler. The show is written and produced by me, Michael Kent. The theme song is by Reed Mathis, and additional music this week was from the Westerlies, Godmode, and Dougie Wood. All audio clips in this episode are used for education and commentary and used under fair use, Title 17 U.S.C. Section 107. You can listen to past episodes by searching for Tell Me What to Google wherever you get your podcasts, and you can see bonus content at patreon.com slash Michael Kent.